Welcome to Vital Talk and Vital Tech's very own podcast series. I'm Scott Rube, joined by founder Sean Vitale. He is the ex expert, I am the novice. Our topic today will be how to best migrate to the cloud. Now, this can obviously be very beneficial for businesses and personal, but obviously we are always trying to help businesses, small and medium-sized businesses in the Chicagoland area, and up beyond that to see how we can make all of your business efficiencies uh, better um, through what's technologically possible. So, Sean, let's start by the types of migration. Yeah. Um, good. Why don't we take a step back sure. even further and just, you know, what is the cloud, basically? Okay. This whole cloud thing. Um, it's not just what you hear on the news or watch on TV. It's the cloud's actually been around forever, and all the cloud basically really? is. Yeah, it's been around since websites existed. Um, all the cloud is is taking some IT service, in my opinion, and putting it out on somebody else's infrastructure. Um, probably sounds a little technical, but it's putting it out on the internet so that the only way you can access it is through a web browser. So. If you think about that simple, you know, breakdown of it, you consider a website. The website itself consists of files and images and sometimes videos and things, you know, text and stuff like that. All of those files sit on a server somewhere. There's some software that makes it look pretty and that server, you know, could sit anywhere. It could sit on your own environment. You could host your own website at home if you wanted to. And then you can make it publicly available if you have an internet, a public IP address, an internet connection. So, at the onset, people didn't obviously want to host their own website. They didn't, you know, I, I guess probably businesses probably did, but for the most part, you know, when websites were created, they just started in the cloud. So, you know, as long as that's existed, websites have been created, the clouds existed, it just wasn't called the cloud, it was just, just called the website. Um, from there, I'd say that the next, you know, probably obvious cloud service, IT service that people worked with was email. So you think of the old Hotmail days and, and the Yahoo days and Juno and all those other things. Um, that's a cloud service. You don't have your own email server. You're not running your own email server. You're just connecting to somebody else's email server and using that to send and receive emails and communicate with people. So that's all the cloud is. It's taking that IT service and hosting it somewhere else. And the only way it's really accessible for the most part um, not the only way, but it's just making it accessible from a web browser. And how has it changed? Because now the size yeah. that people require <laughs> for business and the fact that everything is handled digitally, yeah. everything yeah. looks on the yeah. cloud if you're a cloud-based business. Yeah, yeah. So what it's basically changed is just that simple idea of, okay, well, I don't really host my own website and, you know, oh, I have this personal account. Why am I hosting my own stuff in my own environment? Like, you know, you need servers. Servers are expensive. They can be, you know, as cheap as $10,000. You can spend $100,000 on a server if you want to. Um, and there's multiple different kinds of server environments, hyper-converged infrastructure, virtualization, you know, go down a whole path there. All this complex, um, all the complexities of having a server environment. So you need those servers. You need to figure out what kind of server environment you want to have if you want to have a server. You need a room to put it in. You need to secure the room. That room needs power. Servers need cooling because they run hot all the time. You need to back them up. There's You need internet constantly up that has public addresses so that you can make the services up that run on the server. Like servers sound high maintenance. <laughs> servers are very <laughs> high maintenance. <laughs> That's exactly what they are. 
Um, <laughs> that's why we have a business today, Vitaltech. We, we manage and maintain servers for small businesses that have their own. Um, um, we can get into our services, you know, another time, but, but yeah, that's, that's how it's changed basically is you have all these servers and it's okay. What if I don't want to have servers anymore? What if I just want this stuff available out on the internet every day? And I don't want to have to worry about, well, if I'm running out of space on my email server, because, you know, John Doe has a huge mailbox and Jane Doe also has a huge mailbox. And now I need to buy a new server. Do I, can I add more storage to my server? Does the software I'm running exchange, you know, support that large of storage? All these questions. You don't have to worry about any of the power, the cooling, the, 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 the scalability of it. You just sign up, take that server, migrate it to the cloud, you know, an email server in that example. Um, is it Office 365? And guess what? You need more storage, you just click a button, you buy archiving. You want another user, you click a button, you create a new user. Um, you have to configure it and set it up properly, obviously. But, but yeah, that's how it's changed. It's just, it's getting rid of that local environment. And those who drag their heels, the reluctance is what? Um, it's, it's, there's good question. There's security, right? So your server is in your room. You totally control everything and all the, the, the security aspects of it. You can, you can put it in a box and you can put each server in their own little box with a locking key if you want to. Um, you know who has access to that server. You know, it's in your own domain of your business. It's in your own office space. Um, so there's physical access, and then you can hire people that have access to that server. Um, that's very easy to do. When you when you migrate to 365, they have tons of servers, and they're replicating all over the U.S., which is a good thing because you don't want that to ever go down, and that's actually a benefit. But to some people, that security just kind of freaks them out a little bit because their information is hosted somewhere else. It's not in that domain of their you know, the, the, the walls of their corporate business, it's not there. Um, so there's security, there's cost. When you pay for a cloud service, Mike loves this, if he listens to this podcast, Mike Burke, uh, other partner in Biotech, I use car analogy, but um, I sometimes associate cloud costs. You have to kind of analyze the cost and determine if it's right for you and your business, right? So the economics of the whole thing. When you pay for a 365 subscription or a cloud subscription for any matter, um, you have to pay on a monthly basis. You have to, otherwise it stops and your email totally shuts off. However, with if you own your own email server, you buy the email server, you buy the software, you buy the license to the user, as long as you have an internet connection and solid infrastructure running it, it's there, it's running. Um, you've already paid for it. You can, you know, I, I use the, the car scenario like leasing versus buying a car. Um, if you like leasing a car, every three years you get a brand new car, it breaks, you bring it in, no big deal, all that stuff's covered. You really have to deal with the headaches of it. That's the cloud solution. You're kind of offloading a lot of that, but you're paying for it. You're paying, and I'm not saying that that means it's necessarily more expensive over time. You have to kind of you know, run the calculations yourself as a business um, because servers should be replaced three to five years. But just like a car, you know, how often should a car be replaced? That's debatable, but you can extend it if your financial circumstances change. Um, you can extend the, the, the life of that car a little bit longer. You can do the same thing with the server. You can hold on to an email server for seven years and just, you know, whatever that cost is, divided by seven, that's your year cost. A couple questions, what's the lifespan of a server? We recommend three to three years is aggressive, five years is we recommend replacing servers. 
seven, we started to get really nervous. Why? It, just because it's just like a car. There's moving mechanical parts in there and those parts need to be maintained. They need to be replaced. Um, as cars get older and as servers get older, those mechanical parts are more likely to break. There's also the software aspects of this, you know, running updates on the operating system, the software aspects of the, you know, running your own exchange server, if we kind of continue on that example, exchange with an email server. Um, so yeah, you can, it, that's, that's how it's changed and that's why people are kind of, I think, apprehensive to, to moving. It's, there's that unknown aspect too. In sure. There, right. Like I think the, those that don't know enough, yeah, technically they just, okay. So it's just going somewhere that isn't concrete. Poof. Could it just disappear? Yeah. And it can, right. If I'm, Microsoft's a massive conglomerate company. And you're saying Microsoft is the most powerful. 365. With our 365, we put that on most of our clients. We do. We, we, you know, Google Apps and as far as email services, Google, um, Google Apps or G Suite, whatever you want to call it nowadays, and 365 or Microsoft, Microsoft 365, um, those are the probably two most common out there. Those are the two most common out there. We mostly work with 365 just because my opinion is Microsoft got in the game early. Everyone started using Microsoft Outlook and they just don't want to change the interface of Microsoft Outlook. But there's a lot of companies, especially ones that focus on Mac computers, um, that just go right to Google because they don't use Microsoft Office or Outlook. Or they're just going to use Outlook. You said the pricing previously for a server could range from $10,000 to $100,000. What's the cost then comparable for a cloud? Yeah, so it's just per user, and there's different licenses. And and with 365, that's where you really need to kind of consult somebody and, and understand what options are out there because 365 isn't just email. It's user security. It's mobile device security. You know, if you have any kind of regulations like HIPAA or SEC, you can buy other certain services within 365 to help facilitate the security of those things. Um, there's, I mean, there's, there's even more than that. There's, I mean, we use staffing, so we use that to schedule our on-call shifts. We use it to schedule, you know, who's on the help desk and what days to schedule site visits, all that stuff. Now, we recommended Vital Tech, and I think this would probably be industry-wide for those that can handle it to have a local server and to have a cloud. We recommend it's sort of changing, right? Okay. It, it depends on the. So the benefit of having a local server is it's we're talking Active Directory and that's user account security. So you have a username S group, and uh, you have a we have a local Active Directory server which we're actually uh, going over, trying to, to, to get out of the office to be honest with you. We just have a SharePoint um, with content basically on a SharePoint server that we need to, to go away from. But anyways, um, you have a local username and password to that server and that function of username and passwords in the Microsoft world, we call Active Directory. And the local Active Directory environments um, have more functionality than the, I think kind of be careful, than some of the, you know, the, the basically out of the box 365 Active Directory environment. We're talking in 365 is Azure D. However, you can spin up a virtual server in Azure and host, have them host that server. You still have to run updates and you're responsible for the software and configuration of it yourself. But you can replicate 
the same exact security functions from you know in that local server that we just referenced in the cloud there. Um, but that's a good point of you know do you need all the security functions? Do you even need that, or is the out of the box Azure security functions maybe you just want to reset passwords and have them reset on a routine basis? Is that enough? Are there examples of where the cloud lets you down? Yeah, yeah, for sure. If they have an outage, <laughs> okay. if, they, if the um, 365 goes down, email stops. Whereas, for everyone or for, you know, it could, it I mean, they compartmentalize it. Yeah, they're dealing with millions of accounts. Yeah, yeah. But if, um, if, you know, if Microsoft's having issues near your own email server, as long as you have an internet connection, guess what, your email's still working. Um, and then you have access to the data too, so your internet could even break. And yeah, your mail's not flowing, but you still have all that data right there. Everyone can go in the Office Connector Outlook and see everything's in their Outlook. Think of a file server. Imagine if you didn't have your files syncing with your computers and you only access them from a website, um, right? Then you needed access to files. Well, if you're doing that and that cloud solution goes down, they're screwed. Um, if you if your internet goes down or if some solution goes down or whatever it is, um, and you have it in your local office, you can just go in the office, put up your computer, and you can access the shared file. So yeah, there's definitely scenarios there. Um, the other kind of disadvantage, I would say, the parent one, if you will, um, is that sometimes uh, you, well, I don't want to say sometimes, you have to, you always have to keep up with the cloud solution. So with 365, they upgrade their, um, their 360, their exchange servers. It's the latest version, which is great because you don't have to pay somebody to upgrade it on your local environment. So they're just, that's part of what you're paying for on a monthly basis. If someone maintaining those servers and going through the, the process of software upgrades. Um, but if you don't have a subscription with 365 to where you get the newest version of Microsoft Office or Outlook on your computer, eventually your Outlook is not going to connect to that email solution you're going to be forced to upgrade. So um, depending on how you look at it, it could be a good thing, right? You, could, you have to kind of keep up with technology. Microsoft automatically pushes the updates to you. That can be irritating. It might not be. Some people like it. Um, but you have to keep up with it there. So depends on how you look at it. It could be disadvantaged. Where are we in the industry right now with people uh, in, in companies? Most of them are using cloud? Yeah. it's. It, it, a lot of large enterprise environments are, I think, adapting it for simple things, like in, I don't say simple things, because emails and simple is pretty complex, but um, for the initial IT services that have been out. So websites, email, you know, all those IT services that became available a long time ago, basically. Um, but there's a lot of practice management softwares out there, like time and billing. Um, some people have custom SharePoint sites. They have workflows set up for expenses. They have, I don't know, financial companies. They could just be running an analysis of, of whatever they're analyzing their data, and they have their own custom database that lives in you know, hundreds of servers in their environment. That's really hard to put in the cloud, right? So you have to pay for that power. You have to pay for that processing. You have to pay for that data. How do you even move that big data out there so that you know the production of the business doesn't fail? So there's a lot of catching up. So you know, where are we in the world? I think it depends based on size of company and, and sector that you're in. All right, let's start with the migration process before you actually do the move. Now, there is 
I mean, the most common would be you're moving data from somewhere local to a cloud. I mean, technically, you can move from cloud to cloud and cloud back to a server. I mean, concept, yeah. right, would be all the same. Yep, for sure. But the most common is local to a cloud, right? Yeah, nowadays, exactly. It's, it's what, you, so the first thing you do is you just identify what IT services and what's functioning in your business, right? So you have email, you have files, you have user security, and then maybe you have some practice management. This is a very basic IT environment um, to kind of run through as an example. So what can you do with those things? Okay, well, I have email. Is there a cloud solution out there? Yes, obviously. Everyone talks about 365, and we just talked about it for God knows how long. Um, so once you identify all those services, you then have to work with somebody on a migration path for it. So it depends on what you have running locally. If you're running some old Lotus Note server or some other custom email server, it's gonna be a little bit harder um, to kind of export that mail, recreate the user mailboxes in uh, 365, install Outlook if you didn't have it already, connect Outlook, and then import that email per user account, and then let that sync and all the email exists. And then Obviously, there's where mail flows, so you, you control where mail flows. So, right you know, in that scenario, mail was flowing to your local environment. You need to change mail flow so that it eventually flows to the cloud environment. There's time to consider when doing that, too. Now, in terms of the pre migration, you obviously need to have a clear outline, right? Not only for clear cloud, to have like a, almost a governance model. Yeah. But there, you need to train your staff. You need to spend time and effort outlining kind of how the operations take shape um, from someone that handles this process yeah um, what are the key elements that client wants yeah and what you want to have your ducks in a row before you do the migration yeah good good question um, identifying the services is one thing just a very very high level and then what you need is you whenever you move a, 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 you know a service Call it email or files. Files is a good example. From one provider, whether it's your local server to or just a, a cloud provider to another provider, you, you you need to kind of analyze, and it's common to go through that analysis of, okay, do we need all these files? Are they set up properly? Should we reorganize them? You know, these files, we have one folder that has HR and accounting and something else in there. Do we need to change that folder so that HR and accounting are their own folders because my business is growing and certain people need aspect, uh, need access to it. So you, once you're done with identifying everything, you basically just need to plan out how it's going to move, um, who it's gonna affect. So just have, have an actual list. We just went through a migration and it was really hard to get a list of the users, the employees. So HR, please just have a list of all your active employees because as we go from office to office, right? So what we did was like five or so different offices. We had to go and touch every single computer and you wanna track that and you wanna make sure that everyone's moved over um, and that their data's moved over from whatever solution to, this was a cloud to cloud solution. Um, and if I don't have an accurate list of all the people in their office in Dallas, for example, how am I going to know if I got everybody moving over? And then what if I shut down the old solution and I realize, you know, Bob over in Texas, uh, you know, in Austin 
was kind of a remote office in Texas, from, remote from Dallas. Um, someone just forgot to tell me about him, and, and now his data is gone. It's a meal solution, and we got to call back the old provider. So yeah, it, it so it's it, you know identify, um, really analyze and create a plan. And the analysis isn't just the planning; it's 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 a you know who it's affecting. Um, and then you have to schedule. You have to communicate. You have to send out instructions to people. You want to test everything and anything that you could possibly test before you do it. So, you know, if you're moving email, for example, just move email for a few mailboxes first. It sounds really simple. Everyone opens their Outlook and just send and receive emails. But if you don't test that, <clears throat> you might forget about an add-in. Um, we have a law firm client that syncs their docketing system, which is um, so they have like court appointments and filings too. That's what a docketing system for a law firm is. Um, the system syncs with the local email server. And it's pretty important, obviously, for something to be filed or a court appearance. Obviously, if that's missed, that's a pretty big deal, right? Detrimental to business. So if I just move their mailbox to 365 and those things aren't syncing with 365 that were previously syncing with the local email server, uh, something's going to miss. And, and that's not good. So. So it's, it's a lot of planning, it's a lot of conversations, it's a lot of ad hoc conversations, it's status conversations, and then it's testing so that we can make sure nothing is missed. Because eventually it's automated, right? Yeah, eventually, you, 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 know, you have to change. So for that scenario, we actually had to set up the, uh, that docketing system, we had to set up a second sync so that the docketing was syncing with local and it was syncing with 365. Um, and we had to work with that third-party vendor. So that's another thing. If there's third-party vendors involved with the cloud migration, um, you, we need their contact info. We need to have a good relationship with them. We need to make sure that it supports the cloud. What if that docketing system didn't have any way to sync with 365? We need to upgrade or change it first. You can't, you can't move in 365. So yeah, there's a lot of, it's a science. There's uh, a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of variables and the variables each variable affects another variable, um, you know, in some way, and you just want to make sure it's positive. When you have a client that says we want to migrate, yep. what are the biggest points of emphasis that they care about? And what are you trying to relay to them to make them feel yeah. good about this process? So trust is a big thing, right? Just do you trust us and, and, and are, are we going to move the data correctly? Are we going to lose any of the data and things like that? So we try, uh, we try. We, we analyze the data from a, like a file size um, perspective and number of files. And then we, you know, we, when we make a copy of that over in the new solution, we, we double check those to make sure those numbers sync. So um, we explain that to them and, and that kind of starts to build some trust. Um, but for the most part, they care about downtime. When's it gonna hit somebody? Um, they care about uh, how long is it gonna take? How long does it take? Depends on the size the environment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. If I'm just moving, you know, 12 people at Vital Tech, yeah. then I could, you know, do that in a month or less. Um, actually, with us, it depends on the, uh, the users too. Everyone at Vital Tech, I can say reconfigure your Outlook to connect to 365, plan for this, and do this. I can just type up an email and list out all the things they need to do. I don't have to do any training because we're all technical, right? Yeah. And and I can just you just make the cut and let it go. Um, so I could probably do that, you know, and it's, there's the data syncing where we want to sync our local email with the new email. So however long that takes, you know, call that a few weeks. 
but yeah, it could be done very quickly. And is that okay? Most people are fine and understandable that it's going to take months or weeks. So, some months. are, some are. I mean, we've had some of these that go on for six months, and it's not it's not related to us dragging our feet. Um, it, there's a lot of factors. It could be other projects kind of sneaking in and you know become a higher priority temporarily, and then you can kind of get back to the project there. But sometimes it's just you know, the mailbox is going to be disconnected. So that last part of the phase is like an hour or so. Um, even less where the mailbox gets disconnected and mail's still flowing, it's still being retrieved by 365, but Outlook won't connect and it's just because it's doing the finalization process, uh, part of the process. Um, and just coordinating that with somebody. Sometimes there's users that have large mailboxes that are just so large that we have to archive their mail first before it can go to 365. Um, we, we're still, we, yeah, we have some clients that just have their mailboxes are just so big. We need to purge or, um, you know, figure out an archive solution and then reduce the size of the mailbox or reduce the errors in the mailbox so that it can just finally sink. So, um, totally changes. And that's, it's, you just have to have somebody who kind of works with you and go through it. Once it's being migrated, once you feel as if it's completed, the monitoring, monitoring process is what from a texting. Yeah, so it's it's Microsoft and 365, it's great. There's a bunch of free tools in 365. There's a lot of paid tools as well. For the most part, you only use the paid tools if um, if there's a custom situation or a custom third-party app that's involved. Um, otherwise, in our opinion, we can just use the free tools that come with it, but they, um, the monitoring process is pretty good. You can, uh, it's a couple stages, but it, it, you can just check basically, um, with the N365 where we're at with the stages and then it allows you to kind of coordinate. There's different ways to do it. You can you can just cut them over completely. You can do an initial sync, which I would like to do. So if you have a mailbox, it's going to sync the mailbox. Just kind of do that initial sync and then we'll choose when we want to finalize it. So Scott, you know, when is it cool to disconnect your mailbox? Maybe it's the middle of the night. Great. We'll wake up you know, in the middle of the night, finalize the process in the next morning open your outlook and test it and make sure it works. What stage, do you, how and when do you get to the point where you feel yeah, good, yeah. client feels good? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's once, so in, the, in you know, different scenarios, obviously, with files, it's, it's you copy everything, you set everyone up so that they're accessing the files in the new way, and then you run a comparison during that. Okay, there's the files that I used to have, same number, uh, similar size, same number, similar size on, you know, in the cloud and on the local environment. Um, once you do that and everyone's set up, what I typically like to do is shut down the local server. So for an email server, for example, um, you know, like we, we cut over all the mailboxes, everyone's outlooks, their mobile devices, everything's syncing, it's totally going. We change the mail flow, so mail's only going to 365. Um, nothing's hitting that email server at all. I just shut it down for call it a month. It depends on big environment. Sometimes it's quicker, and just let it sit there, sort of dormant in the background, doing nothing, um, just to make sure that nothing's happening. And at that point, you know, you give it that time. You work with the customer, make sure they're comfortable with it. You look at it. You go through a decommissioning process of the old server. So, are there files that exist that we didn't move or didn't want? Okay, where do we want to store those? Um, do we need this old mailbox? Let's archive it. Let's just put it. Actually, archive it when it sits somewhere, and then you, you remove that server from the environment software wise. 
Any parting shots? We covered a lot? We did. We totally covered a lot. Um, once the data is in the cloud, you're not just done with it. So um, with 365, for example, you kind of talked a little bit on this on the security podcast and webinar that we did, but um, you still need to back it up. You still need to analyze the data. So just like with the local server, you know, you might run out of storage requirements and yeah, the scalability is great in 365, you can have a million users, but you still need to maintain those users. You can't just, you know, you don't want to pay for a million subscriptions if you're only using, you know, half of that, you know, the user's racket. So you still need to look at the number of mailboxes and analyze maybe the size of the mailboxes and make sure that nothing's getting too big because there are limitations in 365. That's another disadvantage if you think about it, you're at their limitations now. So whereas, you know, before with your local environment, you set your limitations based on however much money you want to spend in a local environment. Whatever Microsoft sets your limitations to, that's just what it is. And there's other cloud solutions that can help with that. So for example, if you have two large mailboxes, you can use their archiving solution, or you can use another cloud archiving solution, kind of help with that. But you need to still look at it and maintain the solution, basically. Um, you need to back it up, you need to secure it. It, just because it's it's the backup thing kind of gets us all the time. Um, people are like, well, it's in the cloud. Why do I need to back it up? They're, they have redundancy. They have servers. It's all over. It's, I'm not going to lose it. You're right. You, you probably won't. You know, there's a very, very high chance, very, very low risk of actually losing data in 365 um, because of Microsoft servers failing and there's an issue there. However, you can still delete data. You can delete a whole email folder that's incredibly important and you don't notice for a week later. Well, they don't back it up for you. <laughs> they don't store, they don't have retention and store copies of that stuff forever. So you might want to back it up. You could also click on a link, you know, from the security side and give out your credentials because you think you're just resetting your password to some official email. And then um, they'll encrypt your mailbox. A hacker will literally log in, encrypt your mailbox in 365, and you'll have to pay Bitcoin just to get the mailbox. No one wants to go down that path. Right, right. So it, it, you still have to maintain the data and secure it, just like you would as, that when it's in a local environment, you're not just gone. Sean, thanks for your help. Yeah. And your insight. This has been Vital Talk. Be sure, as you probably encountered on your path to listening to this podcast, you can check out all of our blogs, podcasts, webinar videos at VitalTechSolutions.com. If you are in the Chicagoland area and you are curious of improving your IT service, you always can reach out to us. We are here to help. Sean, thanks. Yep, take care.